Hey everyone, welcome back to the Don't Hate Me For This podcast. I appreciate you tuning in this week. Uh, shout out to all my friends and family and uh, all my homies who listen. Uh, this week I have my good buddy Tony Foscarini on, who I just think is one of the funniest people alive. Him and I always have a good time. We go way back. We talked about all things Atlanta, Georgia, a little bit of hip-hop, a little bit of Seinfeld, a little bit of OJ Simpson. Uh, I appreciate Tony coming on. Thanks for listening as always, and welcome Mr. Tony Foscarini. Mr. Tony Foscarini. <laughs> Thanks for yes, coming on, sir. dude. Um, it's been a while since we've uh, we started talking about doing this, but uh, we're finally making it happen. I've actually wanted to do this for a long time. I know. E- even um, like when I first heard you do it, I was like, yes. Like when people have a daydream and actually can execute on it, I love it. I uh, I grew up with this one kid, Clayton English, um, back in back in Georgia. And, he was the loudest, funniest, the class clown, and he turns out wins. Um, what's that one show? Uh, Last Comic Standing. And so I'm no like, way. It comes. It all comes together. It all comes so, together. <laughs> so you doing this? I'm like, yeah, go for it, man. This is awesome, dude. I, I appreciate it. that. I uh, I enjoy this. It gives me like like I've mentioned before that that creative outlet, but also like I just get to talk with my homies, right? Like this <laughs> isn't something that we would like. We we obviously work together, so we you know. BS in the office whenever, but like we've never had a dedicated like sit down session to talk about. Like you've got a pretty interesting like. For those of you listening, so Tony and I we met at the jeweler. We used to work together, um, and we have a, a mutual love for watches. And and then Tony left and started working uh, where I work, and ended up getting me my job. And we've just been buddies since. And um, but he's got a really cool story. So you grew up in Atlanta. Yep. In Georgia. Yep, yeah, 15 miles uh, outside of downtown, a uh, suburb called Marietta. Marietta. Kennesaw Mountain, Powder Springs, kind of all that area. Yeah. I lived there for a couple of years. I'm not that familiar like as you are, but but you, the the reason we want to have this conversation is because Tony is like the authority over like everything ATL hip hop. <laughs> like if I have a question about it, I go to Tony. Like I've always had a love for it, but I've never met anyone who appreciates hip hop and how it's changed pop culture from you know you know being a high schooler till now like you know i think the cooler atlanta is the cooler it makes me somehow like i'm just by association (laughs) it's kind of (laughs) true so even walking dead like hey i'm from georgia so i'm cool too yeah exactly so i'm from georgia i'm I'm from where it's from for where it's filmed yeah i like that yeah it's awesome no it's funny how you say like a creative outlet because uh I kind of get it because like you'd hear like artists, even people that play soccer, it's like, it's how I can express myself. And I'm like, please, you're just kicking a, a freaking soccer ball. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to like writing or, or talking, like, yeah, expressing expressing yourself, like expressing your opinions, how you feel. I think where it comes together is when you get someone that like understands or gets it. Mm-hmm. And then there's that like connection. And so... I love that. And I think me and you vibe really well because we, we get each other's humor. Um, <laughs> Not yeah, everyone gets so it. <laughs> yeah. So it's I, it's a good way to express yourself when someone's like, no, I get you. Yeah, I feel, I f- you. I feel you. Yeah. And like kind of segmenting into like a big reason why you love hip hop from my understanding is because like you feel like a lot of these artists that you grew up with are like, man, like they're saying the things that I feel that I like I wish I could say. Yeah, I, I guess so. A little bit of back, a little bit of my background. So I I grew up LDS uh, in Atlanta, but mm-hmm. I've always had a love for R and B and hip hop. Like my first CD, or actually my tape cassette is what it was. <laughs> my first tape cassette. Nice. Um, MC Light. 
Nice. Yeah, not too many. You'll have to dig back in Google to kind of find who she was. But um, one of the songs was Poor Georgie, back and front, just two songs, a, side A and side mm-hmm. B. Uh, and then I guess when I got my first CD, it was Jodeci. So I've always loved like hip hop, R and B, and all the radio stations in Atlanta were always playing it. So I, I was exposed to all the different types of music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, one of the groups that I ultimately love, obviously, is Outkast. Like if if you grew up when I did, like Outkast was like the Beatles to Atlanta. It was like yeah. our claim to fame. Someone who finally hit like Hollywood and hit it big time mainstream was Outkast. Mm-hmm. But a little bit of the background behind Outkast was actually a group called Goody Mob. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much started at the same time. So everybody's familiar with CeeLo. CeeLo Green, the infamous CeeLo. But uh, it was it was a part of his group. So, um, you know, again, started in Atlanta. And uh, just this group of guys just knew how to how to vibe and how to sing. And uh, one of the stories as it goes that like often rap battles would happen in, in apartment complexes and then all of a sudden there's this word spread of this one guy that would just like stop in the middle of a rap battle and just start singing like gospel chorus. Yeah. And uh, it kind of drew attention because he could sing and people weren't used to that. And yeah. So they're kind of caught off guard. Like, OK. Yeah. There's like, dang, who's, who's this yeah. guy? He's bringing a different element to the to, to the rap battle. But um, yeah, it was really CeeLo Green who was like. Back in the day, like if it's kind of like the equivalent of Ice Cube, like yeah. you view Ice Cube now is someone in Hollywood, someone making "Are We There Yet?" twenty four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like if you listen to his NWA, like some hard, just like this guy needs to be locked up in yeah. a penitentiary somewhere because yeah. he's just he's going hard. So, in his own similar way, I'm not saying like CeeLo was a gangster rapper by any means, but some of the stuff he was rapping about was just it was awesome and mm-hmm. it was it was it was live but it also had like a spiritual element to it mm-hmm. and so i thought that was so cool like because when you kind of look when you listen to hip-hop it's all about like it's not all about but a lot of people rap about like the cars the the money and he was just bringing a spiritual vibe to it and he was really talking about uh, some deep stuff and so that kind of perked my attention so me you know, living in Atlanta and especially during my high school days, not living right. Like I was kind of, it was kind of a yin and yang. So I was great background, great uh-huh. neighborhood, um, but I was doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing. Right. And so here's CeeLo, here's Goody Mom. Um, he was uh, coming from the streets and he was talking about something good. So he was trying to like yeah. come from the streets, do something good. And I was more or less... Uh, coming from a good house and trying to do bad things. So we kind of like... <laughs> trying to do bad things. <laughs> With met, what success rate is the question? <laughs> uh, I got into some trouble. Yeah. I got some. <laughs> and so like, as you've seen, like, how do you feel about CeeLo Green's, like, his career now? Because he does... He, I mean, I wouldn't say he's gone Hollywood, but I mean, he's put out some pretty soft records. You know, uh, since, his, <clears throat> since his, like, his time in self-therapy... Or in... Is, uh, yeah, what's it called? Soul food. Soul food. Yeah. This is why I don't get tattoos. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, I effed hard with Michelangelo and Donatello. <laughs> and if I would have got a tattoo, I would have been regretting it now. No. Um, I <laughs> even funny. from his second album uh, to Still Standing uh, to World Party, their third album, it, it's it's changed drastically. But who he is now, like. Even with Andre 3000, like just vibrant, oh, you know, wearing yeah. almost dresses and 
and uh, it, it's different. But I, you have to respect someone growing and changing and developing. Like if they never were to change, you wouldn't ever see growth or 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 just challenging themselves. So with CeeLo, like I respect it and I love it. Like Gnarls Barkley's cool. Yeah. Um, but I'm just a foot fan of the old stuff. Just soul food, still standing. Just like the raw when it's just it's it's almost pure it's it's not um glamorized hollywoodized i guess if you yeah. can say it no one's rapping about their bmws right stuff like that <laughs> um so like if someone were to like get one of you know get into hip hop and really understand how hip hop has influenced or like how early hip hop you know like goody mob has influenced you know rap music today like What's the one record that you would suggest someone start at to build like a good foundation for their understanding of, of hip hop? Hmm. Again, I, I guess I can only say what I know and what I'm familiar with. Um, that's a good question. So, so before I guess Outkast and Goody Mob and all these other fellow like Southern hip hop artists came out, like obviously we were listening to like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Mm-hmm. Dre. Yeah. Everyone and, knows West Coast rap like yeah. that. Yeah. And it, it it actually burned my ears listening to Snoop Dogg's <laughs> unedited albums, yeah. especially as a young kid. Like, and really, I didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. Obviously, like his like MTV music videos, his old ones, um, they were catchy and they were fun. But yeah, I I didn't I until this day I don't really like West Coast rap, uh, apart from like Tupac and well I. I guess I'm categorizing everybody who lives on the West. Like, I love Zion I, mm-hmm. um, the Bay Area stuff. But, like, I guess it's that, like, that gang-banging, hardcore West Coast rap. Like, I don't... Like... I don't like it. Like NWA. Like NWA. Yeah. I, yeah. I have to... I think back to some of, like, the greatest hip-hop artists of all time. And, like, I can't put NWA up there as far as... Like, I think they did a lot for, like, pop culture and... and and I mean, frankly, civil rights and doing a lot for the black community. But as far as hip hop artists go, like I, I kind of have to agree with you. Like I just can't put them as like some of the founding fathers of like proper hip hop. I think of more of of stuff like I think like Goody Mob, like hip hop music was founded in the South, right? Like it's, and I have a hard time just thinking of West Coast rappers as as like the founding fathers of like where people should start. Yeah, I, I guess. It, it was. It's kind of like more of a, a some of it's like an angry rap, right? Like yeah, just that's, like that's a good I'm way of putting it. Like macho bravado, and and again, you know, I go back to Goody Mob. It was like I, I guess it's who you relate to. Like I don't relate to gang banging. I don't relate to like, you know, crip walking and drinking forties <laughs> and trying to, <laughs> drinking you know, bodies like, and slapping shoties. <laughs> I would feel guilty if I shot somebody. You know? Yeah. <laughs> My conscience would be really bad and I'd have to meet my maker and answer to that. Yeah. uh, And that's where, you know, Goody Mob, again, like, where, so Goody Mob, good die mostly over bullshit, like, even, even their name means something. Yeah. And so to have them talk about, like, their maker, their God, like a spiritual power and, and, and trying to be right, like, that's something I could relate to. Mm -hmm. And it's it kind of comes together when it's cool to talk about good things, right? Oh. It's not Yeah. Right now it's 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 it, it's always cool to talk about the bad things being bad. Um but they actually made it cool to like 
and I wouldn't call it's not Christian rap by any means because they believe me they talk about like smoking weed and <laughs> and dropping f bombs so it's like it's real it's gritty it's, like, it's rap music it's rap music for one hundred percent but I see what you're saying where it has like that spiritual element to where they recognize some sort of higher power and understand like their role here on earth and like what they came here to do and like they they recognize their struggle in life and you know how it relates to you know meeting their maker one day exactly like we're we're all brothers and sisters and yeah so. And even kind of going back to country music. And so <laughs> with, with rap now, like as a kid, I think we always liked the beats. We always liked just the, yeah, just the beats and the rhythm of it. And uh, the lyrics can kind of sometimes fall by the wayside. It was just the music. Yeah. But uh, as, man, as I get older, like I'm getting older, I have kids. Uh, I just, re I relate to country music more. I don't relate to <laughs> rap music at all. Anybody. Like, yeah. I just don't relate to it. So I still appreciate it and I'll still listen to it. And But like as they get older, man, I just, with what country sings is about, like love and relationships and marriage. And You're kind, like, I, I F with that. Yeah. That's <laughs> hard with that. My tractor, uh, I don't F with that. <laughs> it's, I, so I, I cannot stand country music because I, I don't feel like, what I really like about music is like when things feel very like well produced and well thought out. Right. And I think a lot of like the lyrics of, of country music, like it doesn't seem very well thought out. You know, like I like the creativity of, of like being able to string bars and phrases together. And like, it doesn't even have to be hip hop. Like you can, you can, you know, read lyrics of different artists that, you know, either are alternative or, um, I mean, you can either, I've, I've even heard like EDM lyrics that are strung together well that i can respect and it's just for me it's like country music just doesn't do that for is it me. too simple is that it's not yeah. the right way to explain it too yeah simple? i just don't want to sound arrogant and be like it's too simple for me that's not my that's not what i'm trying to say but like it is like i guess yeah too simple for me to i don't know i like music not just for like the lyrics but like the production value behind it like how many times like like that song on the radio the middle with with that zed did right that song was in production for like a year and they went through like 40 different like popular singers to put together like the right artist for it. Okay. And like all the sounds have like been broken down and, and, and talked about and like they're all sampled from different things. And that's just not like, I don't get that from, from country music. Well, that's fair. I, I guess I view it as like one of my favorite shows, the wonder years. I don't know if you, <laughs> Kevin yeah. Arnold. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like anytime I watch those, man, I can relate to every single episode. Yeah. Maybe not exactly, but the feeling of, you know, being at school for the first time or making friends or whatever just happens. And I feel that like country, at least for me, kind of tells stories in it. I can reminisce and I can relate to it. And so absolutely again, like, you know, I guess that's just a little piece of why I like it. Yeah. And I see the appeal. Like I think of like really like, like fun or like magic moments, like, that I've experienced, you know, on trips with, with my wife or, you know, being out just like outside and hanging out with my friends. And like, I understand why people like country music because it, it captures like that feeling that you have in that moment. And when I was working in music, I met a, a guy named Don and he had done some of the Jonas Brothers records. He's like, they're so, they're so popular and so famous because they write a song that you can send to someone and say, this is exactly how I feel. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so I think like that applies to every genre of music and to an extent, like there are some country songs that I've heard. I'm like, yeah, I like, I see the appeal behind that. But at the end of the day, like the genre always comes back to like, can you relate with it emotionally? Yeah, that's true. And I, and I guess like with a lot of music out there too, I don't think I could ever write a song 
because I would tell you exactly what I'm thinking, <laughs> how I'm yeah. feeling. And I think there's like a certain vagueness to a lot of songs. Like if you really just pull up the lyrics on a lot of songs, it's just a chorus, a few simple lines. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really tell you what they're truly going through, like what this song even means. Like if you even try and Google, what does this song mean? Like most artists don't even tell you. They leave it up to interpretation yeah. or it's just... And so I wouldn't know how to even be vague in general. Yeah. Like, and I'd I'd be like, yep, I'm pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> My girl's mad at me. Exactly. <laughs> That's about it. Like, <laughs> and I guess there obviously there are some songs and, and musicians that do that, but it seems like a lot of good songs. It's just like, it's just a couple catchy words and, mm -hmm. and that's it. And, you know, I guess they're getting their point across somehow. Have you seen that video online where it's this guy on a piano, he's like deconstructing how they write a chain smoker song. No, <laughs> straight up. It's so funny. But he like goes through, he's like, well, you, you, you pick a topic and you pick four chords and you do them in this progression. <laughs> and it's just like, it sounds like what a chain smoker song would sound like. And really? it, it, like, he just breaks it down to a science, which, um, I'd recently just read the reason why a song gets stuck in your head is because if, like a lot of songs have a chord progression of, you know, four basic chords. Right. And your brain hears it a couple times and the song will end without finishing all four pieces of the of the progression so your brain is like oh i gotta finish it oh. and it loops it over and over <laughs> and over and that's how some music gets stuck in your brain which is they're the ultimate drug dealers they are dude that's messed up <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that new taylor swift record though you gotta have it you gotta, i gotta finish it i gotta i can't, I can't stop yeah, that's what that's what they're trying, dude. <laughs> well, that's like all my friends playing guitar growing up. Uh, they always said that about Green Day. How Green Day, they really just played power chords, and it's that's the simple, and it's just over and over. It's there's uh -huh. no <laughs> there's no expertise or professionalism to it. But so you're you were growing up that same time, like Green Day got huge. Yeah, I was in. So I'm I'm 37, born 1982, uh, graduated high school 2000. So. Yeah, I think it was middle school, like maybe seventh grade. It has to be like when, what was the album before American Idiot? I think Dookie, Dookie came out. I, yeah, I, That's the only one I know to be their first one. Yeah. yeah. I remember kids wearing Green Day t-shirts mm -hmm. that they would get at like Media Play where you could buy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Media Play. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah um, Green Day was huge. All, all the, I think elementary school for me was like, Maybe elementary and middle school, like Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. It's funny to look back on, like, on your life and look at the phases that you were in and, like, the music you're listening to. Like, I have Spotify playlists, like, from back from 2015 that I make one playlist a year that, like, any song that, like, describes how I was feeling that year, I put it on there. And so I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's when I was dating that girl. <laughs> that's when I was dating that girl. Like, oh, that's, yeah, that's when I was, you know, what I was doing at work. And, like, those songs and those, that music, like, recalls memories. Oh, yeah. Like, it's such a, it's such a cool, like, I think it can be a powerful tool. Well, it works together, too, when a whole album yeah. can be a memory. Sometimes we have certain songs, but, like, when a whole album, oh, like, for, for me, sure, <laughs> Dave Matthews Band, Before These Crowded Streets, the lakes in North Carolina in the summertime. That's what that album means to me. And so it's it's huge. Like you play any song and it just takes you back there. And I've, I've tried to recreate that. Like, mm -hmm. all right, I have a special, I have a, we're going to Vegas, or we're going to Hawaii. Like I yeah. get an album. It, it, you can't force it though. It doesn't, you have to like, just let it happen. It just has to happen. Yeah. I tried to introduce Sarah to 
um, Jimmy World's Bleed American, which is like one of their first big records, um, and Green Day's American Idiot. So I was like, because these are two like quintessential records for my life that like, if you, you like, you got to know. Like, if you don't know, now you know. And like, she just wasn't about it. And I mean, it, it kind of sucked at first, but then I realized like, you're right. Like, you do have to let those, those moments and like those albums that like impact your life happen organically. Like, you just, there's no... So tell me about American Idiot. What is what is that album even about? Is it is it a big diss on America? Like what is? So, yeah. So I don't agree at all with any of the political statements in American Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but what I really love about it is there's so many different songs in there that are so different. And it came out in a time where I was really exploring. Like I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a drummer. And you know I was a drummer, you know, by trade for years before I grew up and decided I need to have a better job. Um, but like listening to that record, like taught me how to drum. Like listening to Trey Cool, like play all these different beats, and listening to you know Billy Joe Armstrong write these lyrics and play these guitar chords, like, and how they all fit it together to create one of the greatest selling records of all time. It just like was formulative, formative. Yeah, I think that's the word formative. <laughs> it was a formative like point in my life where I decided like this is the kind of music that I want to learn from. Um, so I just listened to it on repeat over and over and over, but the whole, the whole premise of the record, it came out in like 2004, I think it was all, it's like really, it's criticism of, of 9-11 and George W. Bush and the war on terror. Mm. Um, which I think there's stuff in there that like, I think rings true and there's stuff in there that like, I think is just kind of a dick move to put into music, but that's just my two cents. Yeah. I, that, that's interesting. I guess I'll have to listen to it cause I'm, I mean, I'm listening to anything once, but, uh. I, I don't think I would ever be bold enough in the moment to have such a strong stance on anything. Uh, it, so, for example, it seems like it takes years to get the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, look at the Clinton affair. Look at O.J. Simpson. Yeah, O.J. Simpson's a great, a great yeah. analogy. Because <laughs> at the time, depending, maybe even even the Clinton, but we'll, we'll, we'll use O.J., but like, depending on what party you lean to, uh-huh. what news is going to tell you what? And... Looking back at it now, we can tell that they sway a certain opinion. Or, or so it, For in sure. the moment, it seems like it's hard to know the truth until all the facts are gathered. So um, kudos to them for knowing more than the, the average. I, yeah, I, mean, who knows? I, I think they were just pissed off, which I think a lot of people were. Anyway, this isn't a political podcast by any means. But I do think... Um, I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like it does... Like any day now, like we're what ten years out from when Obama was elected, people are gonna start releasing music about it now on Tony on Tony's time frame of <laughs> you gotta wait X amount of years to release music so you have all the details. Um, well, that's a good point, but like I, I don't know. I, I guess I just it's it's hard to uh, you. What's the credibility of the source that you're actually listening to? And you have to put faith and trust in it that it's accurate. and That you listen to? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, where are they getting their information? Yeah. They're getting it from someone or somewhere. So how accurate is that and how skewed can it be? So yeah. we're all just learning through a filter. So I don't know. Yeah. And I think if I had listened more and, – and the age I was at, I didn't really – I didn't truly understand, like, what the message was. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, they don't like Bush. Like, whatever. I couldn't care less what people think. You know, I was like 13. So <laughs> I didn't have an opinion. Like, my opinion didn't matter anyway. Well, I listened to Trick Daddy and that didn't really have much, <laughs> <laughs> didn't really have much of a message. Yeah, so yeah you turned out okay. <laughs> Dude, so we both have been vibing the show Atlanta. 
for the last couple of years, oh right? Oh my gosh, yes. And I just read that season three has been postponed, which mm. is not good. Mm. Um, for those of you who haven't seen the show Atlanta, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, he's the he's the writer and producer of it, and like it's just like the realest show. I don't know, like what what do you love so much about it, Tony? Like, so first off, again. Any little bit of success that comes out of Georgia, I feel like it's oh, yeah. my success. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that I could relate. No, what, a, what a mentality. <laughs> yeah. I, we did drop the ball with Andre 3000 on the movie Semi-Pro. Like, that <laughs> like bombed big time. I kind of lost some, some respect there. but I, I forgot about that. No, when you, uh, when you have uh, a show that you... It's almost like... And again, I, I didn't grow up downtown Atlanta, but um, when you have a, a show representing your home you want it to do good because you want it to be promoted. Like even yeah. if they did a show on, on Orem or Provo, I'd feel connected to it. And oh, I yeah. want it to succeed. And for it to actually, you think it's funny and you think it's creative and it just hits everything. And it's people that aren't from Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, every effort, like it wasn't anything that I anticipated. Like mm-hmm. I thought it might've, I guess I didn't know what it was going to be, but each episode's different. Each episode's a new story. Um, it's funny. It's like twisted. It's weird. It could be kind of scary. So it's it's everything, and so that's what I love about it. It's it's extremely creative, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my favorite shows just for its its unique style of of how they tell a story. Obviously, it follow, follows the same people, but mm-hmm. it'll go off on journeys on each of the the characters. And no, it's it's well written, and I I love it. It's awesome. You ever see the? Um... Dude, one of the last episodes I watched was the first episode of the first season where Homeboy gets thrown in jail for the, uh, where he's got the gun in the, <laughs> in the glove compartment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, like it's just, like, not something that anyone would ever expect. But it's it's funny for so many, like, it's not, like, stepbrothers funny, right? Yeah. It's more of, like, situationally, like, man, that's, like, so clever. It's funny. Exactly. You know, like the episode where they make fun of Justin Bieber, right? Yeah. And they have, like, the black Justin Bieber come in. <laughs> Yeah, dude. No, it, yeah, I kind of, to your point, situationally funny. Like, it's kind of like Kirby enthusiasm, like human interactions and, and how that goes. And there's a little bit of, of element of that. And um, which surprisingly, I, this this is very stereotypical, but black people like Seinfeld. Did you know that? I had no I, idea. <laughs> I think I'm learning that. Where did like, you learn that? Like, I. The more I'm, I'm black people, black that's going to be the clickbait, dude. Like enthusiasm and Seinfeld. I so I, it's again, it's little impressions that I've gotten like my whole life, um, just about people talking about some of their favorite shows and Curb Your Enthusiasm is yeah. one of them. And um, there's even one rap artist. I, I don't even know how to say his name. Wally W A L E. Anyway, Wale. Had, yeah, Wale. I think I think that's how you say it. He has covers of Seinfeld. He talks about something like, and there's other rappers that talk like I don't know what it is, but they <laughs> they have <laughs> Seinfeld hard. They have Seinfeld. Funny. I've never, dude. My my whole family's into Seinfeld. I've never spent the time to get into it. Like I've seen a couple episodes, like the Bubble Boy episode, and um, just like various like here and there. I just need to. I don't know if like I just don't think it's funny like at all, or if I haven't invested the time yet. See, Larry is okay. Let me let me break it down for you a little bit. Okay. So if you know the character George Costanza, yeah, that character is based off of Larry David in real life. Mm-hmm. So Larry David's one of the writers for Seinfeld. This kind of old 
frail, balding, just like Jewish guy, you <laughs> yeah. know? Um, but that's like George Costanza, like, these pretzels are making me thirsty! <laughs> that's like, that character's based off of Larry David, Larry David. in real yeah. life. So Larry David created his own show called Kirby Enthusiasm. And uh, it basically follows Larry David as he is. And uh, he just gets into these situations, uh, these, I guess, how would you call it? Just these interactions with people. Like there's unwritten rules. Like when it's laid out, when it's late at night, you kind of walk quiet. Yeah. Um, you don't turn on lights. And when you're in an elevator, you kind of like... You don't fart. You don't fart. <laughs> <laughs> so these unwritten rules. And so in the show, all these unwritten rules are getting broken all the time by a lot of these other people that Larry David comes in contact with. Now, he he doesn't let it go. He can't let it slide. He has to address it. Mm -hmm. And so me, I'm non-confrontational at all. Yeah. So like... I, I want to address if someone double parks or someone parks in a handicapped spot, like I won't go and confront you them. You won't right? key their car. <laughs> One, because I probably don't want to get in a fight. But since he's like this old, just frail guy, no one takes him seriously. It, it's not like an aggressive <laughs> yeah. attack. Uh, and then they just get into this witty banter of, of how you can't do certain things. And so uh, it's, it's hilarious. It it's sounds funny. good. I'll, I will watch the first five episodes this weekend. You have to give it a try. I'm going to download them all and then watch them on our flight and then see what I think after that. Yeah. Because he, like, in a way, he is my my idol because I <laughs> I sometimes want to get courage and just call somebody out. Because he does all the things that you're too much of a sissy uh, yeah. to do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I respect that. Yeah. Exactly. That's so funny. Yeah. I. Uh, Larry David. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, speaking of. Remember that that scene where he he's in the handicap stall and like he sees the guy in the wheelchair in the pull up yeah yes. <laughs> i had that happen to me dude yes I know i'm not know. even kidding <laughs> i've had it happen twice now you think i learned my lesson on a different floor but no it's happened twice i'm like there's only like i don't know yeah so it's, we, we it's, only have three stalls at work yeah and one of them is a handicap stall and so you kind of like your space. You don't want to be yeah. trapped in between two feet. No, dude. You don't want that that symphony. And there's like a thousand people in that building. Like. Exactly. And no, I, I saw it the first day. So I went in just to use the urinals. And right as I walked in, the guy in the wheelchair was right there waiting. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the stalls and I could see feet in all three stalls. And I was like, oh, oh. shit. <laughs> Someone's about to. <laughs> it's oh. about to go down. <laughs> and so I kind of like I took my time just because I wanted to see who came out. Oh of that hell yeah! Stall. And so uh, please tell me it was like someone on our teams. It was someone on our in our own. <laughs> tell <department>. me later. <laughs> and so I went up to him. I was like, "Dude, that was you, wasn't it?" And he felt so embarrassed. <laughs> He's like, "I made eye contact with the guy, and then I just washed my hands as if nothing happened, and then I just walked out." <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I have just sat in there, hoping <laughs> they would go away. <laughs> I'm going to hell, dude. So you even did more of a dick. I know. <laughs> I feel so bad, <laughs> but like, in my defense, <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't have a defense. It was do a dick you, move. I was the only one in the bathroom, so I could have chosen the other two. I wonder if he got. Do they get? Does he get pissed? Does anyone want to ask him? I don't. You can't ask him, no. right? Like, no, I mean, if you're friends with him, you can be <laughs> yeah. like, dude, let, be honest with me. This kind of sucks when this happens. But. <laughs> it, was, it felt like such a jerk. Oh, man. 
Tony, what else has been on your mind, dude? Okay, I I want to talk about the Michael Jackson documentary. I haven't seen it. You haven't? No. I, I, Let's talk well, about it. Let me correct. Let me. I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about people's view. On oh, it. okay. And so let me give you a little background. So I watched it. It, it was too hard. I almost like I did stop it after a while because having kids myself, I don't even. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to listen to the de- and they go into details. Um, it just it hurts, but. Part of me was curious to see, like, what, like, who is this idol that we've been, you know, idolizing and, like, what is the true story? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm still trying to be, like, under, listen to both sides and I'm not, like, casting my opinion that he's guilty or innocent. But it's where there's smoke, there's fire. For sure. But anyways... Um, one thing that, so after I watched the documentary, in my opinion, I was like, it makes sense. He, uh, it, it, it all comes together. I, I believe he's guilty just because he has these infatuations. Um, kids follow him and the stories just made sense. And it, it, it seems very. And like, it makes sense. Like why he would be like the way he is. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so to me, it seems pretty compelling. Uh, pretty strong of an argument that he um, is guilty that he is guilty and even some of the things he said how he's acted just um, like the facts letters back to this one kid like I mean just everything you have to watch it but uh, so then I was like all right what's people's take on it like what's what's the public's take on it and you get a lot of people that like express their opinions both ways but there's also the the popular Hollywood um, consensus that like like you have to hear both sides and since he's dead you can't say anything but one of the things that pissed me off that but you you, but you can though like you can still say things like i think it's anyway i think it's screwed up but they like they they, like try to you know make it not as serious as it is yeah you know like that's just talk about it you know like people got molested one thing that pissed me off was what uh um what's his name ti said ti basically goes on a rant and starts talking about how it's it's the media trying to take down another reputation of a su- successful black man oh my so he gosh. turned it into race i can't stand when people turn if something's about race then it's about race right yeah. like we, we all know they yeah. don't need to try to turn something into about about race no but but then like i'm thinking then he goes on well like well let's let's talk about elvis and hugh hafner and i'm like yeah you're probably right let's talk about him yeah, but go ahead it's by that accusation, it made me think like, well, the media doesn't throw any white people underneath the bus. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, well, heck yeah, we do. Like <laughs> Louis C.K., um, Harvey Brett Weinstein, Kavanaugh, Harvey Weinstein, yeah, um, even Ben Affleck. Like, look at all they're getting dragged through the mud all the time. All the so time. it's, I don't know. I, I look at it like I'm surprised. Like someone like Ti would say that because as a successful black man, as successful, yeah, yeah. But like even in, in street and. In, hood cred and jail cred or whatever you want like in jail there's like the bottom of the totem pole there's the scum of the scum and then there's like child molesters right yeah so where does a child molester apologist or defender go where do they yeah fit? interesting and so it's like how i don't know and and i guess like one can say well he wasn't technically found guilty um so i don't know it, <laughs> 
I, uh, yeah, I mean, if he wasn't technically found guilty, then, you know, part of me is like, yeah, I mean, it, it's, is it wrong to, you know, dr- you know, rake people over the coals? Sure. But I mean, if the evidence is there, you know, then the evidence is there, you know? And like, I kind of understand, like understanding the basics and I haven't seen the documentary, like I said, but understanding the basic story of Michael Jackson and how his, his childhood was essentially just like taken from him, you know, like, and, and that's all he wanted was to feel like a child, you know, which like you have to look at, you know, at some part of it, like there's got to be a mental health issue to that. But there's like, I also understand, like if, if I had my child taken, like my childhood taken away, I'd want to experience those things as well, you know? Yeah. And so it's a, I mean, it's a sad story no matter what. I actually listened to the Joe Rogan podcast with Macaulay Culkin and Macaulay talks about like, he, he like circumvents the Michael Jackson discussion like three or four times yeah. and Joe tries to bring it up. And I think that's interesting. Like nobody will, nobody like involved with any of it. Like we'll like talk about it. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I can't say what happened cause I wasn't there, but watching the documentary and then seeing the pattern mm-hmm. of how people behave. So in this instance, Michael Jackson, how he interacts and how he like develops this bondship and this kinship with these kids. And then mm-hmm. he's on to the next after like, so Mike Macaulay Culkin fell right into that pattern mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's hard to say it didn't happen. Um, cause all the pieces are there. And so 100%. it's, but I, I couldn't, I could, even if I was Joe, I couldn't like try and bring that out of, of uh, yeah. someone else. I, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't even ask the questions. No, like I wouldn't. If, if he wants to keep it private, that's his. And, and, yeah. and he's gone this long without talking about it. I'm sure he'll continue to, you know, not talk about it. Yeah. So you're not getting it out of him. I um. So you know that that show we watched about O.J. Simpson, mm-hmm. American Crime Story. Yes. If you haven't seen American Crime Story on Netflix, the first season about O.J. Simpson, O.J. Simpson is it's insane. Wait, wait, American? Are you talking about the people versus or the the people versus? O.J.? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's made by the same people that do. Um, I believe it's done by the same people who do like the American Crime. Oh, okay. story. Yeah. Um, it's just branded as something different for Netflix. I believe I could be wrong. Don't look it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they did one about Donna, like about Versace and the murder of Versace. Um, and I, it, it got a little too, I mean, it was pretty homosexual. Like the whole, it was, it was pretty wild for even my taste. Um, but the next one they're doing is about the Clinton scandal and they're going to put it on. Um, oh, nice. But I wanted to ask you like, as the, a huge fan of the OJ Simpson trial. Like, have you done any more research since that show came out? Like, I know you're always thinking about it, always talking about it, always reading about it. So I so want to ask. Maybe not since it came out, but like, so I was in Cal, I was in Los Angeles when, it ha- when he was in the white Bronco. And I remember, wait, no, you were not. Yeah. Were you really so on your mission? I, no, 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 no. I was a kid. I was in like middle school. Oh, I was um, going to say like, you weren't that no, young. No, no, no. <laughs> I was in middle school in San Clemente at my grandparents' uh, place. Yeah. And uh, I remember seeing people on the sides of the freeways having signs. I never saw the Bronco, but we went to like this Mexican restaurant and we saw it all on the TV. So mm-hmm. it was there. So I kind of drew, like, kind of had a fascination with it from there. Um, but I, I generally, you know, growing up, I followed the news and I already kind of felt knew he was guilty. But I was never challenged on it. I was never challenged on the evidence. Yeah. Never challenged on timelines and testimonies until our one coworker, 
uh, at a jewelry store. It was like, no, man, he's innocent. <laughs> yeah. And it was, so like, what? it was so absurd. Yeah. It was like bullcrap. Yeah. And then he'd be like, what about the blood spot? What about this? And I was like, I, it doesn't matter. He's guilty. Yeah. And at first I thought he was just trying to like. Push your buttons. Push my buttons. <laughs> yeah. But then I, I really, I didn't have a response to any of it. Yeah. Like I just generally knew high level what had happened. And to me, like, and that, like that was gospel. Like you're like, yeah, he oh, was yeah. guilty. Oh, for sure. And especially how the media reported on it and yeah. every, it was just like, you just took it without anything. So then I was like, no, I'm going to do- learn. <laughs> <laughs> so I read like the biographies on like Marsha Clark, Andrew Darden, Mark Furman, Dallin Dershowitz, like all of them. Yeah. Judge Ito. I read all of their books mm-hmm. and I, I read all of their books. <laughs> yeah. All of them. He guilty <laughs> as hell. <laughs> he is guilty. Yeah. dude. Even his own, like, Oh yeah. Even his own lawyers without, they all knew. And they, in the books, they pretty much said, <laughs> the gavel comes how down. How do we defend someone who's guilty? Yeah. It, you know, like, yeah. And so, yeah, there's, there's, no, yeah, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, dude. I, but technically, uh, he's innocent, right? Because he didn't he wasn't found guilty. He, the glove didn't fit. Glove, he must have quit. Must have quit. Yeah, that's one of the craziest stories. I'm just waiting for the next. Oh my gosh, dude! Have you seen the new Ted Bundy thing on Netflix yet? Ifr with Zach. Dude. <laughs> Dude, he's hot. I'm gonna just like, dude. And before we get onto this, my my question to everybody is: Justin Timberlake or Zac Efron? Oh, 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 oh. Zac, uh, yeah, Zac. You gotta give mad respect to Zac Efron. I think Justin Timberlake, like, I don't know, dude. He's like, I, what are I we talking about? Like, JT always wins because he's more popular. He's a bigger name. He's been doing it longer. That's fair. And his music's better. But, but then Zach Efron's, yeah, I just yes, go ahead yeah, and say 100%, that. <laughs> but I can't stand Justin Timberlake in all his skits. He's not it's with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, he's cheesy. He's corny. He's not funny. He's not funny at all. I don't think he's funny at all. I, I do love him in my D in a box. Hilarious. <laughs> and if you don't know, don't go find out. <laughs> And uh, his his role on uh, the Facebook the social network, yeah, dude, that was a good one. He nailed it. Perfect. Yeah. But I look at Zac Efron and like the movie The Neighbors. Hilarious. Bay, like just so funny. Baywatch. Baywatch. Hilarious. He's just he kills me. He's yeah. awesome. He's I think he's cooler. I think I think he is cooler. I think he's got like that swagger to him. Like what I also like is, is he can back it up. Like his role like he's done so many different like roles that he's like he's killed. Like he was in a movie like, um Charlie St. Cloud, which is like yeah. a, a like a it's like a, I don't know, I don't think it's a rom-com, but, but then he does this, this Ted Bundy movie. I'm like, what the heck, dude? Like he looks like, I watched the documentary that came out like a couple months ago yeah. and then now watching the movie, I'm like, he looks and acts like his mannerisms really are just like Ted Bundy's like in the actual documentary of like, like the scene where he like comes out of the elevator and reads the subpoena and oh, he's like yeah. telling off the judge. He's like, oh, you thought you were going to get me. You think you're going to get me? Like. <laughs> That actually happened, and I've watched like both videos, like like next to each other. Zac Efron all the way, dude. See, I watched the Zac Efron movie first, and then I started going back to the Ted Bundy tapes. Yes, the Ted and Bundy. Tapes. Now it's kind of like I, I guess I needed more context to then go back and dive in. But yeah, it's 
it's like another another instance of like how do we defend someone who's guilty? Yeah. Like I don't know. And I I mean you just do. Yeah, but at the same time like do you? <laughs> but I, if you had a if you had a client like Ted Bundy where you, I mean I mean it's pretty it's pretty clear. I mean the the the, the murder what I kept thinking of is like when he was trying to convince everyone that he was innocent like the killings didn't continue like that would have been a, ter- a telltale sign. You know, they happen like very like on schedule, you know, two or three girls, you know, every, you know, X amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. Like while he was put away, like they stopped happening. So that should have been a t- like dead <laughs> giveaway right then and there. Like he's guilty, you know? Well, but murders didn't stop happening across the U.S. You know That's true. I mean? Yeah. But like I just how much of an unquenchable thirst for blood did he have because as soon as he would break out, most people that break out of jail like you won't find me but yeah. like it goes to like he, florida like sorority straight up and just it's yeah it's got to be one of the most extreme cases of like bloodlust and this got dark really fast <laughs> <laughs> that's why don't hate me for this but uh, talk about my one son milo and uh, <laughs> we're seeing early stages of that <laughs> Remember when you told me that he bit a chunk of your ear off and I believed you? Yes. Yeah. I, I think there's still I, certain people at work that actually do believe that that I haven't told. Oh, I was just joking, by the way. Well, in all fairness, like this full Tony comes into the office and like his ears all bandaged up and it looks like there's a it, like it looks like a bite mark. It's like the same like curvature of a little mouth. That yes. just, <laughs> I, was, I straight up told my wife, I'm like, bro, you are not even going to believe this. <laughs> Tony's ear got bitten off by his own kid. And Sarah was like, no, he did not. Like, yes. Especially if you knew previous stories about Milo. Yeah, who's, he's insane. He's batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's your kid, so. <laughs> I need to do a DNA up to, test. Up to debate. <laughs> <laughs> What's the craziest shenanigans that's happened with him recently? Um, recently, he's just, he's just got personality for days. Like the things that come out of that kid's mouth, it's, it's hilarious. So he's, he's just. A goofball. Um, one of the most recent things was all right. So you know, in the movie uh, Step Brothers. Yeah, I watched it last night with Sarah for the not, first time. Oh, are you kidding? Me? No, I had seen it. Oh, okay. she had. She, sorry, okay, yeah, okay. she hadn't seen it. Yeah, <laughs> come on, fool. <laughs> well, basically, there's a scene where they're both in bed and they hate each other, and they talk about <laughs> when you go to bed, I'm gonna get like a roll of quarters and a sock and just beat you with it. <laughs> I'm going to put a bar soap in a sock and kill you with it. Yeah. So one night, I don't know how it happened, but like Milo just would not go to bed and not go to bed. And jokingly, I said, Milo, guess what? What? When you go to bed, I'm going to punch you in your face. (laughs) Has Milo seen that movie? No, he hasn't. Okay. And so he actually, I don't think I was aggressive the first time. I think I might have said, like, I'm going to pour milk on you or something like that. Something like that, yeah. And then um, then he he loved it. He thought it was so funny. And then he would do one back to me and I'd do one. I was like, hey, Milo, when you go to bed, guess what I'm going to do to you? What? I'm going to get a bunch of sugar from outside, pour it all <laughs> into your bedroom and have ants crawl up all in your hair. And he just, <laughs> he just loves it and yeah. laughs it. So... It kind of got a little violent a little bit. Uh, <laughs> talking about donkey kicking people in the teeth while they're asleep. 
But it was all in good fun. Um, Donkey Pip kicking people in the teeth. <laughs> See, the best part is like he got that from you, fool. He did. Like, there's I, no way he like learned that from reading. That's true. I am to blame. But so here's the kicker. So. <laughs> The more violent, the better, right? The, the more funnier it would be. Yeah, it's the funnier. So he, maybe I'll tell you this part first. We get a call from a principal. And the principal explains to my wife that this mom has brought in their son who couldn't go to bed last night, was bawling afraid of Milo. And we're just like, what? So I'm at work. My wife has to... my. Dear sweet wife has to go to the principal <laughs> and have to understand like what's going on. Yeah. So apparently this kid is scared out of his mind of Milo. Right. And the kid couldn't go to bed one night and he's like sobbing and the mom comes in and is like, what's the matter? And finally the kid confesses or opens up and is like, there's this kid Milo at school who says he's gonna murder my f- whole family if I say anything. <laughs> and if I say something, he's gonna murder, come to our house at night and murder my whole family. <laughs> so oh I'm gosh. like, oh my gosh. I'm kind of laughing inside. Cause you like, can't not laugh. <laughs> but this poor kid's just crying, thinking if he tells anybody, Milo's going to come into his house with a knife and murder his whole family. Yeah, because he's like, what, eight? Eight years he old. He believes it. Yeah. He believes it. The <laughs> mental trauma that this poor kid endured. And so, like, my wife's having to, like, explain to him. Yeah, that, his like, dad's a psychopath. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> that he doesn't mean it. This is just his type of humor. And I'm sure the principal's like, what type of freaking humor is that? <laughs> but that was, that was one of our most recent ones. And That's so I've funny. since had to tone down. How I, how I talk to him a little bit. Wow, who'd have thought? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. How are we doing on time? We got a couple more minutes. Yeah, want to keep sure. going? Yeah, let's keep going. I um I was recently so my wife and I teach Sarah. We teach the uh, the kids in church, and speaking of, dude, they say the funniest stuff. Like, <laughs> I don't even remember. We have we have one kid in our class, um, who has special needs. And, like, one of us teaches him, and one of us teaches the lesson, right? And this kid, he, like, technology is, like, crack for him, right? Like, if I pull out my phone, he has to have it. If he doesn't have it, he goes ape, right? So on Sunday, we're sitting out there by the gazebo, um, and because we took our class outside because we're the cool teachers, you know? And uh, (laughs) he's sitting there, I'm, I'm sitting there, like, trying to teach, and he, like, keeps like reaching out my pockets trying to get my phone out i'm like no you need to go sit and he <laughs> i was like you need to go sit over like in the on those benches like over on the other side he's like why are at the back i'm like sure and then he said something and they like he was like crying and upset and then he said rosa parks like referring to <laughs> how i made him sit in the back on the bench i was like ben you can't say stuff like that like what what, what is going on? like you're not allowed and of course you know, Sarah's like walking ahead with the kids having like a good conversation, right? While I'm here teaching this kid about Rosa Parks on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, these kids just say like they're sponges. No, they're they so suck sponges. up everything you say and they will repeat it. So I want to know is who in his family is teaching him about Rosa Parks and how he drew me putting him on the bench in timeout to Rosa Parks on the bus. I couldn't help but laugh because like 
it's hilarious that he says that and like he doesn't know what he means. Yeah. But like his parents just like let him get away with this kind of stuff. Well, like from what I found trying to teach your kids, it's you don't know what they're going to absorb, what they don't. And you're you're shocked of what they actually listen to when you tried it. You were like, I had no idea you were listening to me. How did you remember that? <laughs> yeah. But like I I remember I tried to teach River, my oldest son. Um, I watched the Jackie Robinson movie 42. Loved it. Mm-hmm. I cried during certain parts. That's good, it dude. was it was an awesome movie. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? My son has to learn about how to treat people the right way. Correct. And so I was like, he's he's gotta watch this movie. Um so after the movie, thinking like I did a good thing for society, <laughs> oh, right? No. <laughs> he looks at me and then with an honest question goes, Wait, we're supposed to treat people black people badly <laughs> i was like no you missed the point <laughs> so here i am thinking i'm doing a good thing and i Dad just of corrupted year award. i just corrupted a kid and tried to make him think that's how and i was like oh we missed the mark on that one son no we don't that's that's what we're not supposed to do yeah you might as well have just taken two hours of your life back yeah you failed <laughs> that's so funny i i'm terrified to have children because I, I, I don't, I don't have the capacity to like keep my mouth shut when I when there's something that's funny or something I want to say, I I'm I don't be quiet. Like I've had to have multiple conversations with Sarah. She's like, dude, you can't say that. Like just in social settings in general. <laughs> and she's like, it's you a- guys say that to me all the time at work. Yeah, I had to say <laughs> that to you today. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think my my children are just gonna grow up like yours. Like. They're going to turn out okay, but it's going to be a sketchy couple couple of years. (laughs) Like, I made it this far. Let's see if you guys can. No, I I think the coolest thing now with our generation, with kids, we can, they can experience our childhood. Meaning, we watch the same movies. We watch the same TV shows. um, Everything I, I, all the candy I ate and experienced Mm. as a kid. It's all um, still available. It's all still available. Yeah. YouTube makes any movie or old cartoon, old Transformer, like you name it. Yeah. And they love it too. And so we share and love the same thing, whether it's music. And so I, maybe that's always existed. It didn't really exist with my parents. Um, I think they had me later. So there's a bigger age gap, but I mean, we, we still connected on certain things, but like some of the movies my parents watched, like. Stalag 17 and Bridge Over the River Kwai, like cool, yeah. great movies. Yeah. But like, I, I only appreciated them when I got older. And like the music, I love their 50s music. Um, I could kind of relate to that. But like, there's so much more now that like we can relate to. So like, and I guess I, I must be immature, but like, I'll listen to Ice Cube and Dr. Dre with my obviously the radio version. <laughs> yeah. But like I don't think my my parents would ever listen to no. like yeah. NWA. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna get you're gonna learn today. You gotta learn. Well, I also think it's fascinating is like social media. What I think of my Instagram is like one day that's gonna be something my kids can go look back at and be like, dang, like mom, like you look great back in the day. <laughs> And, like, my kids are going to be able to see, like, all the cool stuff that we did. And, like, that's what I'm really excited for. And I think that'll help. Like, it'll be interesting to see how, like, Milo and, and your kids and, and my kids one day will, like, view social media. Like, will they see, like, down the road, like, man, like, look at all the problems that social media caused. You know, like, maybe by then they'll be able to correlate 
you know, if, you know, use of social media can, you know, correlate to mental health issues and things of that nature. And like, are our kids going to utilize it the same way we do? Or are they going to like abort it and not have anything to do with it and, you know, go back to simpler times? Yeah. I don't know. I think it needs to happen now because my kids are following YouTubers and it's insane. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who would ever thought people can make tons of money just by opening up toys or even, even open up candy? Dude. And they just, they just love it. There's, a, love there's it. A, a, a guy and his son from here in Utah and they, their channel is called What's Inside and they just cut stuff open. Really? Yeah. And like I talked about it with my buddy Tyler on, on one of the shows and he it was like, dude, like they are always going to have to go bigger and better now. And that's the thing with YouTube is like I can start my channel like I'm going to cut open a book. Like what's inside a book? And I'm like, okay, now I got to co- cut open a guitar. And then it's just going to be like. Oh, so like chainsaw. Cu- no, oh, they chainsaw. cut stuff open. Oh, like they like- cut a t- like they cut a Tesla in half. Oh. Yeah. They like cut like. but And what I was saying is like they have to like keep building on like. Or else it's gonna lose. Yeah, us. yeah. They cut okay. they cut open a Tesla and they're like, "Hey, we're actually gonna cut open a pillow today." People be like, "Get the hell out of here! Cut open a person, okay? Yeah. Let's get going." <laughs> That's the next ultimate game. Yeah, right? human. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Man, Tony, should we wrap it? We can wrap it. I think it's been good, man. This is version one, 1.0. 1.0. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have a couple guests on that I think are, are we'll have enough to talk about with where we could talk for five, six, seven episodes. I want to keep it relatively short, but okay. thanks for coming on, dude. I appreciate no it. No problem, man. I had a blast. Uh, I'll invite me back anytime. Anything you want to plug? <sighs> wow, put me on the spot. Hey, <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not signing. <laughs> Just like me on uh, LinkedIn. That's the only <laughs> social media. At Tony Foscarini. At Tony Foscarini. <laughs> yeah, the most boring social media of all time is yeah. LinkedIn, dude. Anyway. Cool. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, We will chat next week and uh, see you soon.